Very good. Hey, I'm going to share the word with us today. And, um, you know, one of our big themes this year that I feel like the Lord wants us to enter into is uh, identity. Who are we in Christ? Who are we as individuals? And um, the, the issue of identity, I believe, is directly linked to our sense of agency in the world, our sense of authority, um, being active. And uh, if you've ever struggled at different points, or teenagers will often struggle with a sense of self and identity, it can be a very debilitating experience to doubt who you are. But actually, when we're born again, God brings us into this incredible new identity where we meet our Creator, we meet our Saviour, we have a, a new sense of redemption and purpose, and our lives are repurposed and reorientated towards God's original creation plan. And we go on this journey, don't we, when we get born again, when we come to faith in Jesus, and um, we're embraced by God and we're loved by him and we have this sense that, yeah, what the Bible teaches me is, is happening in me. I'm a child of God. I've got a new purpose. And, uh, and I've found personally that when I came to faith, I had this sense of God's protection over me. And I love what it says in Psalm 91, 1 to 4. I'm going to read it to us. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from, medley, every, from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. I want to highlight that last line because when you come to faith and you're a child of God, as we know, children can't protect themselves, can they? They need a parent. And it's kind of like that spiritually. When you come to faith, God himself is your shield, your very great reward. doesn't mean to say we don't encounter troubles or hardship, but God himself, there's a grace there that goes before us and he himself is our armour and his promises are our protection. And so I've found that coming to faith in Jesus, you're kind of born with this protective mother hen, that idea of the wing, you know, coming around you and protecting you. And I found that very comforting as a new believer. Being born again, I had this sense of God's presence with me and there was joy uh, in that relationship. But I found also as I've grown up uh, into my faith, God has progressively called me to put on armour for myself. Not just his faithful promises, that's always a baseline. God is always our Father. But he calls us up, it says in Ephesians, to be mature in our faith, to grow up into Christ. And part of that, part of that journey is putting on progressively the armour of God and walking in it. Recently we had a prayer meeting and Lexi um, uh, was there praying with us. Lexi heads up our intercessory prayer group. Thank you, Lexi. And um, we were praying together and she had this passage out of Romans 13 about the armour of light. And it really struck me and 
was quite profound and I just thought, wow, like, you know, Paul and the, the scriptures in general talk a lot about armour and this particular passage, I'm going to look at it today. But as God provides armour for us and as, as the Lord himself is our protection, he calls us up to become like him. So it's natural that if we are to put on armour, God himself, in a sense, expresses um, uh, armour. He has like a, he, he himself wears attributes that act as armour. And let's have a look at Isaiah 42:13. It says, uh, "The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior, full of fury. He will shout his battle cry and crush all his enemies." Now, sin and death are ultimately our enemies, and the Lord has crushed them through the work of the cross. But here we see God acting as a warrior. We don't often see God in this sense, but there's this protective side to him over his people. Let's have a look at Isaiah 59, 16 to 17. Uh, It says, The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. We heard that this morning from Inga, this rising up within us of the heart of God. We look across the land and we see injustice. This displeases the Lord. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armour and he placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. And so here we see that the Lord himself feels justice. The Lord himself, in a sense, wears armour and goes out into battle for his people and for the weak and for the oppressed. And so it's natural that you and I also, as we are called up into maturity, into Christ, also need to wear armour because we fight in a world, we live in a world that is full of injustice. We live in a world that um, opposes the things of God and we can't do it in our own strength. We need God's help. We need the armour that he provides. I want to read through just quickly Ephesians 6.10, which lays out the fact that you and I are called um, into battle. You and I are called to put on armour. You and I are part of God's army, God's answer to pushing back and resisting the things of this world because it gets, it gets hard. We get discouraged, we get pushed back, we kind of get knockbacks all the time. I mean, even just getting through Aussie Aid and Illawarra Community Care was probably an 18-month battle that had lots of twists and turns in it and we had some great people helping us and we prayed and we stood firm, we put on our armour and we succeeded. But here it says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armour. It's not our armour, it's God's armour. Remember we saw it in Isaiah? It's his armour. He calls us to wear his armour. It's purpose fit for you and I. So that you'll be able to stand firm. That's the point of all of this. When you're wearing the armour, you can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, so people in this world, uh, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this 
dark world, so both in the spiritual and the physical, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. In the time of evil. When Jesus was tempted and initially he fought back, it says in Luke, with the word of God, it says of um, the enemy that actually he waited for another opportune time. He waited for an opportune time. And here we see it. It says, um, put on every piece of God's armour so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. There's a time of evil. There are times that where the enemy has a plan to kill, steal and destroy and he's not kind of just sitting back there kind of losing interest. He's got a plan and it might be five years, it might be ten years, it might be, you know, a succession of things. I've, I've had it all at times, like you, I'm sure. And, um, but we've always got to wear the armour as believers. We're called into actually God's army. We're called into his army. And so it says, um, then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. Here we see the Lord's armour himself in Isaiah being replicated here. We have a few extras. Sho uh, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit. We read this a few weeks ago, which is the word of God, the rhema word of God. So you're taking the, the logos, the scripture that the Holy Spirit's breathed on for you and you're using it in your situation to fight back. Pray in the spirit at all times. This is another key. Pray in the spirit at all times. Often we don't see that necessarily as being armour, but again, I think it's another offensive weapon, like the sword, where to pray at all times, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I love it when we get together to pray. We're praying often in this church, and we need it because we face an enemy that would love nothing more than to extinguish God's people. Uh, the church. So here we see seven pieces of equipment. The belt of truth, the body armour of righteousness, shoes, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, salvation as a helmet, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to pray at all times. And so these uh, pieces of body armour are attitudes, they're... they're um, uh, attitudes that we take on in the life of God that don't allow the things of the enemy to stick to us. These aren't literal, obviously literal pieces of armour, but they're attitudes, they're beliefs, they're standpoints, they're decisions that we make to stand with God in what he agrees with and so the enemy has no accusation, he has no hold on us. There is no condemnation, it says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so often I find myself in times of prayer and reflection just checking out my armour. Am I assured? Is my heart covered? Is that breastplate of God's righteousness covering my heart? Or is it self-righteousness? Am I trusting that I've got a sure footing in the faith because I'm trusting in the gospel of peace? I have peace with God. I've escaped the wrath of God. Or again, am I operating under some kind of condemnation? Am I being driven along? 
by another gospel, by a, a counter gospel of works. No, it's all been done for us through Jesus. The shield of faith, I think this is about, it's not about a, an arrogance. It's not saying, oh, I've got faith. God will do this. It's saying, no, with childlike faith, I hold up the shield, that trust in you, Father God, that you love me, that you've got me under your wing. Like in Psalm 91, the sword of the Spirit, the revealed word of God, that's how Jesus fought back and to pray in the Spirit at all times, to build ourselves up because we have a common enemy. We do and it's real. It's, it's embedded in the systems of this world. It's embedded in the spiritual places and what Jesus did is he defeated at the cross, he defeated that enemy and he calls us into a place of victory with him. I think together with our salvation, we are being prepared. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But he's revealed these things to us, it says in Corinthians, by his spirit. In 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, it says, stay alert, watch out your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Stand firm against him and, <clears throat> and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. We face as believers, like Jesus was revolutionary. Jesus was revolutionary. He honoured women in a time when women weren't honoured or valued. He helped the poor. He moved against cultural expectations and religious expectations and spent time with, with what others referred to as scum, lepers and tax collectors and people that were rejected by society. And his spirit lives in us. When I, when I hear injustice uh, and a sense of injustice rising up and saying, no, I want... I want justice, I want what God wants. I see the heart of Jesus. And so when you're living for Jesus, you know, Jesus says in John, in John uh, around 16, he says, the world's going to hate you because it hated me. And th this is the opposition that we face. It's very real. It might be something as simple as a snub. Oh, you go to church, okay, I've got you worked out. It might just be a rejection of social status. It could be more sinister than that. We see in some countries Christians literally lose their lives. But it says here, remember that believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And we are called to stand and to support one another through prayer and through faith and through action. We face, as believers, three temptations. I was in a devotional this week and I like this. I've borrowed it from Nikki Gumbel. It says, we face temptation and opposition from within ourselves. So we've got pride and lust and unforgiveness and selfish ambition and self-condemnation, things like this. So we, we face temptations and opposition with, from within us, our own flesh, from the world around us to conform to different values and standards and from our enemy above, accusation, oppression, 
opposition to the will of God for your life. So we face a multifaceted army. But we can break through. We can fight back. In James 4, 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist. Do you know, I I love watching... um, I was a very good arm wrestler as a young man. Uh, my, my claim to fame is I arm wrestled um, 40 ex-convicts in a, in, a, in a printing factory in Piermont. There you go, that's a mouthful. And, um, and I, I was able to put down all 40, one after another. They're, they're, some of them were big guys. I was just a scrawny 19-year-old. And, um, and uh, a lot of the time, if you've... There's, there's a technique to it, pronation and there's these other things. Anyway, I watch these current arm wrestlers and amazing. But a lot of it actually is just resisting. Like, like this passage, you just got to resist and, and, and they'll tire out. They're pushing they're, and then you can push through for the win and you've just got to have good technique, okay? And so it's like that when you're in a battle fighting an enemy. You, you don't have to do all the pushing. You don't, like Jesus has won it. You've just got to stand. You've just got to resist and then push through for the win, okay? And so, and so we're resisting. But I want, to, I want to touch on something because we're going to look at this idea of the armour of light in a moment. So I've set up for us today this idea of the battle. And, you know, um, even I find it interesting that... Jesus, uh, actually, the, sorry, Yahweh in the Old Testament in, in Judges 3, 1 to 2, it actually says there that, that God allowed enemies to remain in the land. Isn't that funny? He allowed them to remain in the land. And it says he did this because he wanted to teach the people of God, Israel, how to fight their enemy. Now, that, that's in a you know, in the Old Testament, they're fighting physical battles, if you want to generalise it in that way. In the New Testament, we're fighting spiritual battles. And I find, though, that that theme of putting on armour, we're called to be, to stand firm and to resist and to, to support one another. This idea, though, of God training us up, greater levels, greater devils, you might have heard that, that phrase before in Christian circles. And so, but resisting, resisting is the key. Resisting is the key. And and I want to say today, there's no condemnation in your resisting if you experience temptation. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that because you've had a thought or you've had a temptation, somehow that you are unworthy. It's It's the greatest lie of the enemy. You and I, we are not shameful because we experience these things. If we embrace them and decide to follow them wholeheartedly, that's different. But to struggle and to resist is not a sin. It's not a condemnation. It's not something we should shrink back from. It's something we should confess to one another and get support and wholeheartedly embrace one another in that fight, in that resisting. But in our resisting, we also need armour. And this is what I want to get to today. I found it really interesting. I, I had a thought. Um, I wonder, you know, how often the Australian Army Corps or the, um, the Defence Force, how often they kind of have to clean their equipment. And, and so I went looking. And do you know that 
The Australian Army, the Department of Defence, has a 631-page document just on the Army uniform. Isn't that amazing? Just on the Army uniform, how you can wear it, how you've got to look after it. And it's the same with us. We've been given armour that we need to maintain. If, we get, if it gets rusty or it gets a chink in it or you haven't had to pull your sword out for a while, the Bible is a manual, actually, on how to maintain your armour how to maintain the edge of your sword and how to fight back. And so in this army manual, it's even got how it needs to be worn. It's got how to iron your uniform even. You wouldn't think they'd need to do that, but you've got to iron it a particular way, how to maintain your boots, your badges. The uniform also needs to be suitable for combat or battle physical training. And so even the material that the uniform's made of has a degree of resistance in it. That if you're in battle, it's going to stand up to the rigours. Also, it it touches on dress standards. I want to read this to us, actually. It was a really interesting little comment from the manual. It says, High standards of dress are to be applied in officers and sergeants' messes at soldiers' clubs to maintain the image and status of messes' clubs' and customs of the army. Standards are defined as presentation, cleanliness, state of good repair, and non-offensive. And so there's this way that you would dress. You wouldn't just rock up into the army or um, to an event with your uniform dishevelled and badges hanging off and your boots are scuffed and your buttons are ripped off and things like that. And it's the same. Like, we're called to maintain our armour, these attitudes that align ourselves with God himself, that keep us uh, battle fit, battle ready. I remember once uh, playing a game of paintball. Has anyone ever done that? Paintball? Yeah, it, it hurts. And if they're really nasty, some of the people freeze the paintballs before they go in, so they hit you more like a rock. Anyway... It's the first time I'd played and I was, again, with this group of ex-cons and I thought, I thought to myself, they're not going to treat me very well. I'll probably be the, 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 what do you call it, the, the what? Oh, yeah, you know, someone to kick around, you know. Anyway, I thought, I better go in prepared. What can I do? So I'm putting cardboard inside my shirt and wrapping it with tape and, and I thought, I better take a cricket box... Anyone know what a cricket box is? Yeah? So it, it covers your essential areas if you're a, a bloke. And anyway, I've, 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 I've decided to sport this, and I'm glad I did, because one of the young guys there, he was a bit of a bully, he just walked up to me and went bangs, and he, he hit direct. So armour, you need your armour. That's my point here. You need your armour. You don't want to be left exposed, you don't want to be vulnerable, and you don't want to be rolled up on the ground... In stitches. And so we've been given, like the army, like the kingdom of God, we've been given armour to wear. And so, and it's important that we maintain our uniform. Let's have a look at Romans 13, 12 to 14 in the New American Standard. It says, The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let's rid ourselves of the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let's behave properly, um, as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness 
and not in sexual promiscuity and debauchery, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision uh, for the flesh in regards to its lusts. And so let's have a look, though, at what it says in the New Living Translation. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armour of right living. This, this is a beautiful imagery of, of, of God's attitudes, the, the, the attitudes of the kingdom. We see Jesus preach on this in, in uh, uh, Matthew 5, the attitudes of the kingdom. These are to be worn like clothes. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarrelling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So like in Isaiah where God puts on his armour, as believers, we put on, literally, the attitudes of Christ, the attitudes of the kingdom. We put on the Lord Jesus. We clothe ourselves with these attitudes. And so we don't need to operate in realms of um, pride or unforgiveness or attitudes that are going to leave us exposed to the schemes of the enemy. We need to brush up and put on uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God gives us grace to do this. This is the thing I've found. When I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, there's a part of my life, there's a part of my armour that has a chink in it. Can you help me? He is so gracious in fact, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what does armour of light mean? What does it actually look like? Well, Ephesians 5, 8 to 10 gives us a bit of a hint. It says, for you were once uh, darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So we see righteousness and truth as being part of Paul's array of battle armour. But here we get, we get an extra one. I find this quite interesting. Goodness. Goodness is a tool, it's a weapon in our um, armoury that we can wear, that we can maintain. You know, it says in other passages of the Bible, do not give up in doing good, for at the right time you will reap a harvest. Goodness is a tool in this world that we can fight back with, that we can protect ourselves with. I find that incredible. It's an extra weapon. It's an extra weapon. And so today, how are, you, how are we going with our armour of light? Is it something that we consciously put on? Is it something that we choose when we wake up? Or we? it's hard, because I, I don't... Like you, I get led by my feelings at times. I become angry... I can become frustrated. And these things can actually diminish um, our effectiveness and the, uh, the protectiveness, of, if, if you like, of our, of our weaponry. It doesn't change our salvation. We're saved. It's not an issue of salvation. It's an issue of learning to fight our enemy and how to be effective in combat. And so my prayer is, Lord, help me. Give me the grace to put on this armour, to wear it to wear it with pride, to keep it conditioned and, and looking well. And that's my prayer for us today, is that as we engage in, in spiritual warfare, 
as we come up against the things of this world that want to rip away at our identity, we've got to remember who we are. We're children of God and we're called up into Christ, into maturity, to wear this armour and to fight the good fight, Paul says to Timothy, of faith. So how do we do this? I want to give us a couple of practical things as we close today. Number one, fight as Jesus did with the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Pick up that sword. Read the word of God. Be in it. Listen to it. Allow the rhema of God to rest in your heart and fight with it. Jesus had very particular scriptures. He was feeling hungry. He was feeling tired. These weren't just random things that he did. He wasn't just picking out any old scripture. He was taking the word of God. Pray with other Christians. This is another thing we can do. So fight as Jesus did with the word of God. Pray with other Christians. We're going to do this in a moment. We're going to pray together in small groups. And we're just going to pray that uh, God, we're going to pray for one another that God would act. And God hears the prayers of the righteous. In James 5.16, it says, pray for each other so that you might be healed. The Bible calls us to actually intercede and to pray for one another. This is helpful and useful and essential as we stand. I often think of people being linked arm in arm. If you've got a battle line and you've got shields that are interconnected, the enemy can't penetrate that shield. One of the reasons Alexander the Great was so successful in his conquest of the ancient world was because of military tactics and one of them was uh, the shields and the way they'd be interlocked as well as shoes actually. They all had very good shoes. Um, So fight uh, as Jesus did with the word of God. Pray with other Christians and lastly use your shield of faith. Along with the word of God, you're just putting it up and you're saying, no, I'm not not listening to the commentary. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm putting up my faith, Lord. Your word is truth. I'm trusting in you, Lord, that what you have said will come to pass. That what you have said will come to pass. And so I want to encourage us today to continue to fight as Jesus did with the word of God. Pray with others. Use your shield. Be part of a connect group. This is one of the most amazing things. I find connect groups are a great way. If you can be part of a connect group, there are some that meet during the day. There are some that meet at night. Some are weekly. Some are fortnightly. But this is a great way to find your tribe and to stand together and to fight together and to pray together. God hears prayer. It's the ones on the edge, like the enemy, is like a roaring lion, it says, looking to see that who he might devour. And we can fall to things like unforgiveness and pride and just busyness of life. We, f- we forsake the, the very things, our worship to the Lord, which is prayer, word, fellowship and our ministry. Don't forget, we've been talking recently about Archippus, who's got a, a ministry that Paul says, don't forsake it. There's something about giving out of ourselves, that keeps us orientated and in the battle, in the fight. We're not dull, our senses are not dulled through lack of practice.